Comfort. It's something essential to our lives. The degree of comfort we experience can impact how we view the world around us. Comfort can take shape in a practical sense. Are we dry? Are we able to move freely? Are we confident with how we look? Comfort can also apply psychologically. Are we comfortable with the challenge ahead and the uncertainty of not knowing what's next? In abundance, some would say too much of it creates complacency. Too little of it, and you're unable to settle into a rhythm because you're only focused on reducing the discomfort. For Men's Fashion Week 2019 this past January, Megan and the Baibora team partnered on a series of conversations with new and old friends on this concept of redefining comfort. Our interactions were candid and casual, as they kind of had to be, as we rolled around Paris in the backseat of DS's Luxury 7 Crossback series. Our conversations took a special interest around the inspirations of pioneers and creators who are looking to put their stamp on the world. In our first episode, we speak with Rebecca Kelly of Woolmark, a company focused on telling the story of merino wool globally. Rebecca's efforts promote merino wool's unique natural properties, which start on the farm and extend all the way to the final product by talented designers around the world. We'd like to extend a special thanks to WeTransfer, Gore-Tex, Automotive Makers DS, Woolmark, and the whole Baibora team for making this series happen. How's it going today? Good, thanks, Good. Eugene. Yeah. Interesting sort of uh, environment for us to be doing an interview in the back. I feel like yeah. coffee and cars. I don't know if you ever watched that thing with Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> no. No. So Jerry Seinfeld from Seinfeld, he does yeah, this yeah. thing where he's in a car yeah. with like a, a celebrity and he basically drives around because he's got a ton of cars. Anyways, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can start by having you introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah, well, um, my name's Rebecca, um, and I, uh, I work in the product and processing um, team for the Walmart company. So working with a team across the globe, looking at new and cool things that we can do with wool. How did you originally end up at Walmart, or what's your yeah. general interest within the company and the fabric? Well, textiles. I'm from Yorkshire, which is a well-known area of the UK, which is known for wool. And so I guess you could say that it was um, in my blood to begin with. My grandfather had a woolen mill um, in Bradford. I pursued sort of fashion and then felt that I was missing something. Um, took it back a bit, went into textiles, and from there I connected with the Woolmark. And I've actually been there for just over 10 years now. That's been a while then. Yeah, it has. For people that are unfamiliar with Woolmark, how would you describe it? Um, it's a really unique company. We're um, fiber advocacy body, I guess. We are the marketing um, education R&D arm of the Australian wool industry. Um, I think what's really cool about Woolmark is that we work right the way through the supply chain, which means we can work with manufacturers, we can work with brands and retailers, designers, um, machine makers. Um, you know, nothing is really off limits. We can engage with so many different people to look at really what's possible um, with wool. I think the variety is, is particularly um, special. And I guess that connection with the farmer as well and how um, you can take something from farm all the way through to an end product in the store. How do you think wool has changed as a material or its perception yeah. in terms of now we're looking at greater sustainability within that and even supply chain management, et cetera? How do you think wool has changed? So um, obviously wool has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's, it's, it's clothed 
people um, and been something that protects you. And I think what has changed most significantly is that it can now be used in arenas that wouldn't necessarily be thought of as well appropriate. And, and I'm talking here about sports and performance. And mm. I guess the versatility of wool is what's changed the most and what you can do with wool, how you process it, how you spin a yarn and how you can orientate it to be workable in areas that it wasn't before. Mm -hmm. I guess it's got so many more facets that we're able to bring to the fore that wasn't possible yeah. before. Um, and what, that's exciting. Yeah, what changed there? Like yeah, I think um, developments and machinery have been huge. So how you can spin a yarn, you can use much finer wool now. Um, it doesn't have to forgo the strength element. Um, I think it's it's really all been in the machinery and developments in, in, in that area that's allowed us to play in areas that we haven't been able to before. Mm. I think long gone are the misconceptions about itchy, scratchy sort of school jumpers, uniforms. Um, you know, wool can be incredibly fine and, um, like I say, be used across a whole range of products now. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially to see it change. And yeah, you definitely see merino wool and whatnot, which obviously factors into your guys' collaboration collection mm. with Bibora. It's yeah. interesting to see how it's changed too. And like, because yeah. in many ways, wool is like a natural fiber. So it doesn't necessarily have this brand name connotation in the same sense, but it's still now changing and becoming, I guess, modernized in a way. I'm interested to know how you guys came across the work of Bora and Bibora and how that materialized as a project. I'm particularly interested in the DNA of, of Bybora and their approach, um, particularly their business model um, and their sort of open source approach to, to business. Um, I think how they really look to start right back at the beginning and it's all about how you can engineer those components to be the best that they can be. It's not just about adding, it's about starting from scratch and making smarter decisions about the ingredients that you put into that product. And for me, that really resonated. And it's something, you know, that I want to really explore with, with, with Bybora well beyond this, this collection. From your perspective, what, what is the relationship and balance between being comfortable and not being comfortable, being in a state of discomfort? You know, it used to be that, you know, to look good, you had to forego comfort. And I think that just meant that we were able to achieve less as people. It, it weighs on your mind, doesn't it, if you're uncomfortable? It, it puts you off. It um, doesn't allow you to focus on, on doing what you want to do and being the best that you can be. So I think today it's clear that you don't need to forego comfort to look good. You know, that's something that, that, that Bybora really sort of um, brings to the fore and um, something that, you know, I feel wool can play a real key, key part in. I think, you know, the softness and the versatility of wool um, really supports that whole... Um, if I'm going to flip it, that same question, how do you look at it from the perspective of innovation and, you know, there's comfort in knowing that you're right, but what about when you're trying to discover, innovate, and you don't know the answer and the discomfort in not being certain of something. Like, how do you view that? I think it's good to be out of your comfort zone. And I think it's something that you have to... How do you manage that? Like, how do you manage that relationship between comfort and discomfort? Like, I, I guess what I've found interesting, especially between both your parties or, you know, Walmart and Bybora is that element of innovation sometimes is a messy process. Yeah. And it's also something that 
can weigh on you when you know you're you're going down one path, but it ends up being the wrong one. Do you know what? I don't think there's ever any wrong path. I think there's um, you can start out sort of knowing where you want to go. Um, and that's sort of 50% of it. And I think the other side of it is what comes out of those wrong paths or those happy accidents that you can then exploit. I think you almost need to practice being uncomfortable and, and get used to, to that feeling and use it to your advantage. Yeah. Are, there, are there things that you personally engage in to embrace that or practice it? Yeah, I try and put myself out of my comfort zone as much as I can doing this interview. Yeah. <laughs> no, only yeah. joking. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do just in every, every facet really of, of, um, of life, I always try and put myself out of what I'm used to doing and uh, challenge myself. What was the last thing that you did that you felt uncomfortable doing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, presenting presenting in front of a lot of people and I'm used to being quite behind the scenes but uh, challenging myself when I need to get up and and speak yeah. in front of people. What are some upcoming projects that you're working on that you're you're excited about or interested in yeah. developing? We're really keen on, um, as I said before, looking at new places we'll complain that it hasn't before. Um, and I think sports um, and performance is an area that we are really keen to further develop the opportunities for wool in. You know, that's going to be a key, a key area for us. And I think a lot of people don't really know what's possible with wool in that space. And we really want to show them, reduce the risk for them and look at how we can work with machine producers, people further up the supply chain chain to really get um, more of an edge. Wool has been known as a great base layer in sports for a long time. For like the last 10 years, it's really done so much in, in base layers, but you know, what's next for wool? And I think developments in circular knitting machines really sort of allowed us to go into that space. But what's next? We're interested in warp knitting machines. We're interested in, you know, finishing and dyeing that can be done in smarter, better ways. Um, so I think working with supply chain partners that are right at the beginning of the process is really fundamental for us. And uh, we're really building out our portfolio in that place at the moment. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you encounter? Like I, you mentioned a lot on the topic of uncertainty as to what you can achieve with wool. So how much of a of your challenge is really the educational process. Our education is so huge and it's such a key part of, of what we do at Walmart. Do you think that's because of the innovative nature of it? Or, because I guess for me, it's like, is it more breaking the bonds that people have in terms of what they believe will to be versus what it can achieve? Yeah. Totally. Misconceptions, absolutely. You know, education is um, so important at the retail level and at the consumer level. And just to open people's eyes to the, to the possibilities. I think, you know, the fact that it's known to protect you, to keep you warm, those things sort of come to the fore, but not that it could maybe keep you cool or regulate temperature or be used in a high-intensity training scenario, for instance. And so a lot of people dismiss it and dismiss its capabilities. But then, you know, if we do get people over the line and they do want to explore it, then we need to make sure that the yarn and all of the, you know, the ingredients that are going to um, need to perform do perform. So we need to test with the spinners. We need to test with the machine producers to make sure the wool runs through those machines. So there's a lot of work that we need to do behind the scenes continually to ensure that, you know, wool stays um, relevant and valuable. You mentioned earlier that the development of machinery is what propelled wool into sort of this new this new standard. 
who's sort of leading that charge in terms of innovation? Um, everyone is play, playing their part across the whole supply chain. Um, spinning is really important. For people that are unfamiliar with spinning, yeah. like what exactly does that Making mean? Making a yarn. And we really use the yarn as, um, as the key ingredient to then produce a fabric, whether that's a knitted fabric or it's a woven fabric. So when we're looking at, you know, strength um, and other sorts of characteristics you might want to bring to the fore, we, we look at what types of wool we might want to use. And of course, we look at what blends we might want to use wool with. You know, wool isn't always used in 100%. You know, if you want to bring certain functional qualities to the fore, then we'll look at what the optimum other fibre blends might be. Um, and, and that's also exciting, you know, to see what's possible by putting lots of different components together. How do you see the usage of wool relative to synthetics and petroleum products? Mm -hmm. And is it scalable in terms of assuming wool is, you know, something that is a little bit better for the earth and whatnot, how will we see that potentially change? Wool is a niche fiber. It's around 1.8% of wool fiber share. It's pretty insignificant when you look at polyester and, and cotton. And, you know, we're, we're quite happy for that to be. You know, there's only so many sheep. Um, and we're really focused on delivering a, a high quality, high value fiber. For us, we want to ensure that wool growers get a fair price for, for their wool and, and that we um, keep it in demand. I'm interested to know that desire to keep it high end. What is the, the reasoning behind that? If there's the sort of universal belief that wool is a superior fiber, like, and it could potentially be, you know, something that is a better option than polyester. It's a specialist fiber. It's particularly difficult to grow. Um, it's a very hard industry for, for wool growers to be in. And one of the problems has been that um, generations aren't continuing in their, their parents' footsteps. So going into things like prime lamb or crop or wine, which is a much easier way of making a living, it's important that you know farmers can make um, a sustainable living from, from wool growing. Um, and it takes a lot of skill um, and expertise to do it. And um, it's important that they're recognized for that and they can get a fair price. It's almost as though it's much more holistic in terms of ensuring everyone through that supply chain, as you mentioned, is taken care of. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And look, wool is, um, is such a unique fiber. It's so dynamic, naturally innovative, and I think, you know, synthetic companies have been trying to engineer you know man-made fiber to do what wool does naturally and they never quite hit the mark it is a special fiber and um, if we can work with great people in the supply chain that it then it can be turned into a really fantastic product that meets consumers needs prior to entering the wool industry professionally i mean you have a background a family background what did you think it'd be like you know, from afar, seeing your family in it, and what has been the reality of you being in the industry? I feel I've really found a niche. Um, I, I feel I've got a really, really unique job that I don't really see anywhere else. And I think that's because I work with so many different partners right the way through the supply chain. Sometimes it feels like, you know, you, you don't specialize in any one area, which can be frustrating, but at the same time, apart from wool, of course, but, um, you know, it, it's great to see how it can be used across so many different applications. Um, and so I'm not sure what I ever thought it would be like, but it's definitely, you know, surpassed any sort of um, ideas that I had. I guess I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to go into and, um, and it's, uh, it's met expectations, that's for sure. What's compelled you to stay yeah. on this path. Yeah, I think um, just always being challenged. 
always being challenged and um, and I think that comes from the variety of, um, of brand partners supply chain partners that, that we work with um, and you know I'm super excited to be you know working with Gore-Tex and, and by Borrow and looking at what at what's possible there I mean who would have thought, I think, you know, that Walmart would be coming together with Gore-Tex and, and Bybora, you know, two completely different areas of textiles. And I think that's what's particularly exciting, you know, working with complementary and competitive industries and, and seeing what we can do by coming together. And I think... I think that's what I'm finding particularly exciting at the moment. And I think it's it's really the start of a bit of a new era of collaboration. Um, and I think Bybora really, really signify that that change, um, that open source, that collaborative approach. Do you believe that that mentality of sort of amassing a village is required when you're working on the innovation tip? Yeah. Do you think that that's sort of fair to say in that, you know, competition becomes looked at a little bit differently when you're actually trying to define something that has no previous existence? A starting point is bringing bits in from all of those different elements, all of those different facets. But I think you need a, a fairly tight team to be able to do that R&D process. Um, too many people and, you know, you never get anywhere. I think there's an optimum number of people to really move things forward and, and that's key. So I think it's big picture, draw it in and then, and then focus down. And then evaluate, you know, evaluating, trialing, testing and then going back to the drawing board again, I think is, um, is, is, is really key. Yeah. Generally speaking across industries, we often engage or disengage from certain projects because of that competitive nature. Like, you know, you mentioned open source and by Bora. How do you think that the way they've approached it has opened up your mind in how to work together with other people? Especially, as you mentioned, like potentially competitive, whereas maybe it's not actually, maybe it's more of a superficial sort of challenge when if you really step back, you realize, hey, there's actually benefits from all parties if we're a little bit more open in working together to solve a problem, regardless of whether or not we're considered competitors. Exactly. I, I don't think, I think increasingly we want to go out of our way to put ourselves next to people that, that are doing something completely different to what we're doing. I think we're part of a time when technology, science and design are really converging and um, it's really our duty to ensure we put ourselves in unique positions that we wouldn't have done so before um, because I think that's the only way we can really move forward with, with smarter ways of doing things, smarter solutions um, and you know doing that together collaboratively is a lot more powerful than trying to do it in isolation. Gone, starting to go with the days where you know you wanted to sit on something and own it for yourself I think it's great to be part of a company that wants to collaborate and put something out there to see how we can move forward and better, continually make something better. Um, and I think it was through that thought process that we, we really sort of became in tune with what Bybora were doing and connected with their outlook. <laughs>